What's up, guys? Welcome back to Storytime with Uncle Reddit. My name's John, and this is r slash malicious compliance. Been kind of an interesting day today. Been working on campers, cleaning them, working on fixing them, packing them, working on trailer hitches. So we're heading out this week and doing a little bit of camping. Just wanted to let everybody know in case uh, episodes slowed down a little bit. I will do some on the road, but uh, yeah, it's it's slow. Working on a slow laptop with, you know, slow internet, so <laughs> probably won't get quite as many done as I do here at home. But hopefully I'll get a couple done and you guys will enjoy them. All right, let's do some malicious compliance stories. Manager favors new best friend who constantly messes up at workplace, and manager looks for reasons to even the blame for others. Even the blame? Okay. First time poster. Might be all over the place with the story being told. Fake names. I, mid-twenties female, am frustrated with the favoritism in my department that is causing the department to split into sides, and there's a lot of frustration all around. The main other people in this story, Susie, co-worker and new best friend of manager, almost 30 female, Janet, manager, mid-twenties female. Yes, the manager is in her mid-twenties. Important information. Work is very strict about making sure employees don't hit overtime. Hourly pay. My work relationship with Janet is not well due to prior situations. I'm a great employee who is a perfectionist and on the spectrum. I'm not the best socially and I'm still learning to handle things professionally like how to communicate my concerns to Janet regarding coworkers. I'm usually closing shift and almost never opening shift. Background information. Susie became Janet's new best friend since Susie started working here. Janet didn't know Susie prior to her starting the job. Since Susie was hired, she showered Janet with gifts, compliments, and overstepping boundaries into Janet's personal life. Janet soaks it all up. Susie started working at my job about January of 2023, and that was about the same time when I was being trained into a higher position in the department. Susie seems to do the tasks on the checklist of things that need to be done, but there are always critical details of each task that are skipped. There are complaints from all departments because she's not completing the tasks fully and creates more work for others. Janet has become protective of Susie with everyone's mainly valid and some invalid complaints, but no one can comfortably bring valid complaints to Janet anymore, but we still try. Now it seems that Janet's looking for reasons to even out the blame, so Susie isn't the only one getting talked to and told she needs corrections. Janet said it's my job with my promotion to tell her if anything isn't done right. Although once Janet said I was throwing jabs in text when I brought up a concern about Susie incorrectly doing a certain task, which is something that I noticed has happened a couple occasions. The throwing jabs remark has discouraged me from trying to communicate my concerns, and I'm uncomfortable to speak to my manager about anything because of how she's treated me in the past and seems to continually look for reasons to call me a bad employee. Some examples of how Janet's treated me poorly. Randomly accusing me of getting attitude, getting on me for the only time I clocked out five minutes early when closing shift already arrived, and she's done the exact same thing multiple times. Trying to push me to work with another coworker that threatened to beat me up when I didn't do or say anything to her to cause such a threat. A story for another time. Could give more examples, but let's get into the story. Janet has told the department to make sure they scan in the documents that come to them on their shift, especially the forms with the client information, because we always need to make sure to be able to contact clients to follow up. Scanning all these documents doesn't always get done, but I make sure to do the ones that come to me in my shift. At the end of my shift, I check to make sure the client information is updated with the documents that should have been done by opening shift. I don't scan them all in if I'm leaving over an hour late after closing time. I figured the important part was done and I'm picking up the slack of opening shift who completely pushed it off to the side. A few days ago, as I was finishing up my opening shift, I was scanning and updating documents that came to me in my shift that morning. Janet stood next to me as I finished scanning and updating the client information. And after I finished that, she pulled me aside to discuss things that needed improvement. 
First time I have ever been pulled aside for corrections since working here. The discussion for improvement. One, valid perspective, but I could counter-argue, and I didn't. Two, something I don't do. Three, something I'm already doing. Only example given was when Susie went to Janet about an issue after I already said how to handle the situation. But since Susie disregarded what I said and went to Janet anyways, I therefore didn't handle the situation. Four, this point was removed because Janet didn't communicate what was expected of other co-workers temporarily working in my department. The next day I get pulled aside again, this time only one point. I don't scan in the documents of specific client information. Only client's information, not other documents. Janet didn't mention other documents, nor was that written on the form for me to sign to acknowledge this discussion of improvement. I explained to Janet that I do the ones that come to me in my shift, and at the end of my closing shifts, I make sure to at least update the client information that opening shifts didn't do. I explained that she said to all our departments that she expects everyone to do all the scans before leaving for their shift, especially updating client information. I told her that I check at the end of my shift, but the issue isn't me failing to do my job. It's opening shift that isn't completing their scans. She didn't care to hear it. She only wanted to focus on me not scanning it in. If I have time to update, I have time to scan it in. I always clock out at least a half hour to an hour late every shift because of all the tasks that need to be finished. That's normal for closing shift. When all else is done, I finish up by quickly updating the client information that doesn't always get completed by opening shift. Since I brought up all scans, not just client information in my chat with my manager on the second day, I stayed two hours late that day to finish my job and pick up the slack of opening shift. That night I stayed two hours late and one person from an important department said as long as the client information is updated, that's what matters. I said that's what I said to Janet. I will now make sure to scan all things in before leaving. So be it if I leave two hours late each shift. So be it if I hit overtime. Apparently it's expected of me to completely pick up opening shift slack, and now I'll get written up if I don't complete it. I clocked in two extra hours that day, and if this keeps up, then I'll have a very nice overtime pay. If another department tells me to leave since it's so late, for example, if someone from important department, which includes those that own the company, then I'll request a note written telling me to go against my manager's word regarding completion of work so that I don't get written up. They'll wonder why I'm being told I'll be written up for something such as scanning in documents. I hope this will escalate. I'll update later with how this turns out. Well, OP, I sort of get where you're coming from. Um, I have a brother who's sort of on the spectrum, although he has other other different things going on with him so it goes way deeper but i have a couple of kids and i worked with a lot of kids who were on the spectrum and i get what you're saying sometimes because you're you're actually more detail-oriented than most people would be i'm sure from especially from the way it sounds in this story and people tend to take advantage of that and once you've given it to them a couple of times like the extras the extra little steps that you take they they turn around and seem to expect that to be the norm, which is completely crazy to me. I mean, I would expect you to do your job. And if you did do a few extra things, I would thank you for it. It may even, you know, work its way into a promotion or something later on down the road. But yeah, I don't understand why people have that mentality that, and it's not just people on the spectrum. It's anybody who's quiet, shy, uh, the, the people that aren't ready to stand up and be heard or stand up for themselves. And, uh, it's a real shame, but Keep doing what you're doing. Uh, I'm not sure I would play the uh, malicious compliance game too much with this lady because it sounds like she does actually have some favoritism things going on and she's going to try to find any way she can dependent on you because you're on the spectrum uh, or she figures you're easily, you know, pushed around. So, yeah, be careful with that one. But the good news is if you're that detail oriented, then uh, getting another job probably won't be too hard. But good luck either way. Why can't you help me with order number 187,267,65,304? What the hell? Anyway, a lot of numbers.
A while back, I had the misfortune of dealing with a snarky phone rep who seemed hell-bent on blaming the issue I was calling about on me. She couldn't understand how the company was to blame for this faulty product. After going around and around for a while, she asked for my order number. I saw my chance to comply maliciously, and I grabbed it. The order number was stupid long for reasons that surely fit with this particular company's service ethos. Sure, I told her in my curious tone, order number 187 billion. 265,304,985. What? No, the number for your order. She seemed to think I had found some other number, but that was the number on my invoice. That's the number I assured her. 187,265,304,000. I don't know what that means. 985. She was so flummoxed that she couldn't think to ask for the number one digit at a time, as I'm sure non-malicious customers provided to her. In the end, I instructed her on how to write out a very large number by just writing down each set of three numbers and inserting a comma between each group. I know she hated me, but I wasn't giving in. Oh my god, that would have thrown me way off. Unless it's dollar amounts or uh, uh, something, the volume of something or whatever, number of something. I would never expect to hear a number given to me that way. Um, yeah, I'm sure that did have her all messed up. And on a side note, well, no, it's not a side note. It's actually to do with this story. But anyway, I don't understand whether the company thinks they're wrong or liable or it's your fault or whatever. It doesn't matter. Why get on the phone with an attitude? Now, I will say I've seen other people that get on the phone with customer support and have an attitude right out of the gate. Well, th sometimes things happen with products. You got to you got to kind of ease into things and try to get a resolution. And so neither party should be starting out snarky for sure. Attitudes should be left aside so that you can actually deal with the problem at hand. But if you're getting dealt an attitude, it's kind of hard not to return the attitude. So, eh, it's all good. I want the number associated with my order. What? Doing my best to keep it short and sweet. I work in eyeglasses. I'm a licensed optician. Upon a patient ordering glasses, we inform them the last two numbers of the invoice is their order number. In about a week, you're going to receive a text just referencing the last two numbers of the invoice number here. I say as I point to the numbers. You'll receive a text letting you know that order number 29 is ready for pickup. When glasses show up from the manufacturer, they have a job ticket and a bin number. Order number 29 might be assigned to bin number 87. I'm here to pick up some glasses. Order number 29, says the rather large man, who was probably an NFL linebacker in a previous life. Okay, I don't need order number, but your last name. Smith. Smith, I mumble to myself. Bin 87, I continue to mumble. 87? No, not 87, 29. The invoice number isn't correlated to the bins we have. We have 150 cubbies. Your order ending in 29 is in cubby 87. I'm sure you all know where this is going. My order is 29 and I want what's in 29. Sir, I assure you there's no correlation between the order number and the bin number. I want 29. I retrieve the case of glasses from cubby 29 and proceed to give the little pink glasses to someone who could father a Sasquatch. The hell is this? These aren't mine. You guys messed up with the wrong person. You wanted what was in Cubby 29, so I gave you 29. Then I start to enunciate like I'm a game show announcer. And let's see what's in Bin 87. After much blazing saddles like harumphing and being generally unpleasant under his breath, the glasses were all good and well. You guys have a stupid system, he said as he stomped off. Thanks for reading. Why would anybody start an argument over that? First of all, even if he didn't hear you right, even if he did say, you know, Hey, no, I want what's in 29. And you start to explain it to him. I'd be like, all right, it doesn't make any sense to me, but whatever. I mean, let's, I'll just let you do your thing and let's see where it goes. Again, with the attitudes, people are so quick these days to just get enraged about anything. 
doesn't matter how big or how small, they come hot right out of the gate and are ready to be at your throat and just start World War III over nothing. And that goes for the customers and customer service. But uh, yeah, I just, I just don't understand, man. Yeah, people just need to learn to chill, man. Hmm. I'm a fool for buying this tool. Long time lurker, first time poster. Please forgive any spelling and language mistakes as I'm not a native speaker. A few years ago, I, 24 male at the time, was in the middle of some house renovations when I was short a carpenter's square. I decided to quickly grab one the next day on my way home from work. As I had many other things to do those days, I was in a bit of a hurry, so I didn't check the square three times over before I bought it. Also, I have a habit of not taking receipts or throwing them away because I can't stand loose paper receipts everywhere in the car or at home. This is important for later. I bought the square at a big DIY store in the Netherlands, so I would expect that this tool at the very least was usable. Maybe not the best quality, but I can live with that. Oh boy, was I wrong. First thing I noticed was the price. The thing was around 40 euros for two pieces of aluminum with rivets. Also, this was a decent sized store with only one model carpenter square in their whole product range. Crazy, right? Due to the limited time and a lot to do, I wasn't the least bit interested in driving to the next store and picking up a better deal. I bought the square and was on my way home. Next day when I first picked it up to put it to use, I noticed that the oh so important alignment on this tool was way off. The rivets used to hold a nice 90 degree angle were loose. This resulted in quite a few degrees of play. No way you can make a nice square cut with this piece of crap. The square was probably dropped in the store before putting it on the shelf. This results in the floppy angle. I wasn't happy to say the least and went back to the store the same day. I explained the situation and showed the cashier from customer service the faulty square. Of course, I never took the receipt, but as it was only yesterday I bought the tool, and even this sticker from the store was still on it, I thought maybe that would help me. Nope, he said, you gotta have the receipt or else I can't do anything for you. I told him that I bought it yesterday, and even the same cashier was working the checkout. Even the sticker with the store's label and price couldn't convince this man to help me. He did help me to check in their system for the receipt. I even showed him the bank debit on my mobile phone app and the exact time I bought the stuff. Somehow he couldn't find the receipt in their computer system and just told me he wouldn't help me. A bit taken aback, I returned home. I worked retail for about 7 years and from what I can remember I tried to help customers where I could. If it was that obvious that a product was from the store and the customer even has proof of payment on their bank account, it would be no problem whatsoever to return or exchange said item. I had a feeling this cashier was just not giving a single F and acted like it too. Then it clicked. I went back to the store with the broken tool still lying in my car. I bought the exact same model carpenter square again, now checking if it wasn't dropped and a tight square of course. Went to the cashier and took the receipt while looking the fellow from the customer service dead in the eyes. I walked back to my car and switched the new tool for the broken one and went right back into the store. My car was parked maybe 10 meters for our American readers, about two truck lengths, from the front glass doors, so they'll have definitely seen me. Walked back into the customer service cashier and told him I wanted to return the item as it's broken. He said, but this is the same tool from yesterday. I replied, I don't know that, but I do have a receipt now. He begrudgingly gave me my money back. So in the end, I got a decent carpenter square and they'll have to deal with the broken one while knowing I F them over with their own malicious compliance. Something I learned a long time ago and like, like OP said, there was only one model in that store and uh, quite honestly, didn't have much choice. But if I can at all help it, if you can at all help it, never buy a tool that's supposed to give you a 90 degree angle that's been riveted together. Now, the only exception I have there is a T-square because a T-square is riveted together. You know, we have a company from Tennessee, Johnson uh, Tool Company, that makes a lot of squares, T-squares, and things like that. And uh, 
they're always riveted together. Very rarely have I ever gotten one that's out of square. But what I usually do before I take it out of the store, and it's usually Johnson, the big heavy-duty Johnson's uh, T-squares for like cutting drywall and things like that, or marking a four-foot line across a piece of plywood. Uh, what I'll do is I'll take a couple other different squares from the store and hold them up to this square to confirm that, that it, something's at 90 degrees. If five or six different items match up to 90 degrees, then I'm pretty sure, you know, they're not all out five degrees, 10 degrees, whatever. So it's a pretty safe bet. I'll also say this, depending on what kind of work you're doing, if you can find a small one foot framing square, which is just the, you know, steel L. And get steel if you can. Aluminum's fine, but it bends the other direction too easily. Uh, or a speed square. Speed squares are nice for almost anything. And usually, even up to a 2x12, I will use a speed square. Because I can do the line on one side and then flip it to the other side and make the lines meet. It's not always perfect, but usually for framing, it's fine. If you're doing finer carpentry than that, then you want a saw that'll cut it square anyway. So, Anyway, just a few tips. Unwarranted, I know, but that's how I roll. All right, guys, thanks for sharing a little bit of your day with me today. I hope my grandson. <laughs> All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed these videos. And if you did, you know what to do. And uh, until the next one, we'll see you probably from the campground. All right.